1: And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. I'm your host Miriam Marston. And if you're tuning in for the first time, or if you're a regular listener, either way, I just want to say it is wonderful to be with you as we hear stories about how God is changing lives and moving hearts. And I'll tell you what: while it seems like things in the world change from week to week and month to month, there are things that have not changed. God's love has not changed. You know, as we hear in Psalm 118, His mercy endures forever. The promise of Christ has not changed. And what does He promise? He tells us that He will be with us always until the end of the age. The evangelizing mission of the church has not changed. We continue to be called to share the amazing news of the gospel, to let people know that we have been rescued through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ— That's not just a nice story to tell. It's a life-changing truth that cuts across every inch of reality, and it has the power to set us on a completely new course, one that can lead us to incomparable joy and peace. And as we come to the close of this Easter season and prepare for the magnificent solemnity of Pentecost when we celebrate in a particular way the power of the Holy Spirit, I thought it would be another ideal moment to briefly reflect on the name of this show, Blazing the Trail. So the name isn't just meant as a reference to a local sports team, that is the Portland Trailblazers, and it's not just a nod to the pioneers who, who traveled west to explore frontiers and discover what lay beyond everything they knew. No, we're going a little deeper here because who is the one who really blazes that trail? Who is shining light on the road ahead? In the end, it's not the guests on the show, even though their stories are certainly powerful and encouraging. But the one who is really blazing the trail is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who who causes that first spark, who fans the flame, who breathes life into the emptiness, who opens doors, answers questions, consoles us in our distress, clears the way, and overcomes obstacles. And that's why I want to once again dedicate an episode to the Holy Spirit, the one who blazes the trail in the truest and most profound way. And to help us get started, I'm going to share a song that's a it's a contemporary adaptation of a well-known hymn called Come Holy Ghost. And this version was actually arranged and produced by my brother-in-law, Nicholas Shawl. And I invite you to prayerfully listen to it. And as you listen, let's not just politely ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. Let us fervently implore and call upon the Holy Spirit to come pouring into our hearts, into our homes, and our communities— I don't know about you, but too often I've turned to the Holy Spirit expecting something like the water that comes out of a half-broken drinking fountain, when in fact I should be begging for and expecting something as powerful as Niagara Falls. As Pope Francis wrote in 2019, But more than anything, we need the Spirit. He brings order to our frenzy. The Spirit is peace in the midst of restlessness, confidence in the midst of discouragement, joy in sadness, youth in aging, courage in the hour of trial. Amid the stormy currents of life, He lowers the anchor of hope. Again, that's Pope Francis, and right now, I know there is a lot of restlessness out there and discouragement, but no storm is bigger or stronger than the Holy Spirit, and that is a hopeful thought indeed. So here is Come Holy Ghost, and on the other side of the song, we will continue with our reflection on the Holy Spirit. So let's reflect together on the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they asked Peter and the other apostles, What are we to do, my brothers? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." For the promises made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. So, here in the Acts of the Apostles, we have this crowd which has just heard Peter proclaim how Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament, how he is the one that the Jewish people have been waiting for, how the events of his crucifixion and resurrection have definitively changed everything about the world we know. And of course, the first response is, okay, so what do we do now? And the the answer is really just straightforward and profound. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promised gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the people who were present there or just for their families. No, Peter makes it clear this promise has been made to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. That phrase, all those far off, that's an important one to keep in mind when we're considering the task of evangelization. This mission is far-reaching, not just geographically, though, yeah, you might be called to travel uh, very far to share the gospel, but it's also about reaching people who are far off from God in that interior sense. And not just far from God, but far from people, from friends, family, loved ones, to evangelize, then, is to respond to, to this call to scale the walls of the heart that, that has been enclosed behind a fortress of sin and fear and to bring the good news that help is on its way. I'm reminded here of a scene from the 2003 film, The Return of the King, where the leaders in uh, the capital city of Gondor, in this desperate appeal for help, they set off a series of bonfires which eventually catch the attention of their friends in the kingdom of Rohan. This lighting of the beacons has always struck me as a beautiful analogy for evangelization, for what is evangelization if it's not one long, magnificent succession of hearts being set ablaze with the love of Christ? As the first beacon is lit in the film, we hear the words, Hope is kindled. Oh, how we need hope! You know, these recent months, uh, the last couple years really, have been marked with suffering and instability and unrest, leaving in their wake an overwhelming need for the kind of hope that really only Christ can give. And even the smallest flicker of the gospel's light, which we can recognize from afar, in a true word or in a beautiful song or painting or in a genuine smile, that can bring our hope leaping back to life. And what if we looked at our parishes as these places where hope is kindled? Just close your eyes for a moment and and imagine this divine domino effect across the country, across the world, with the Holy Spirit leading the way. When I imagine these parishes, these beacons of hope, I see places where, where the priests and the staff and parishioners possess a keen sense of their baptismal identity, a life rooted in Christ and for Christ. I see communities where parishioners of every age and background are immersed in a a culture of stewardship that invites them to identify and nurture their own gifts in a spirit of generosity. I see places filled with bold proclaimers of the kingdom of heaven and who serve as courageous agents of reconciliation. I see how the light of the transfiguration is reflected in the liturgy and various ministries, signs of heaven breaking into daily life. And of course, I I see the beating heart of that parish, the Eucharist, the source, the summit of our faith. In other words, a parish has a kind of presence, since it is, of course, home to the real presence, that sets it apart from anything else in the community. And I would hope that that someone like a bystander should be able to sense that the Holy Spirit is on the move in this place, from the front office to the sanctuary to the classrooms. These are places where evangelization is part of the ordinary landscape of parish life and not some kind of elite mission entrusted to just a handful of volunteers. But even when we know it's the Holy Spirit at the helm and leading the way, blazing the trail, we still have to step out in faith, don't we? And that stepping out in faith often comes at at the very point when we don't know what else to do and when we're left feeling helpless on our own, maybe even exhausted and discouraged with our own efforts. And here, once again, I I turn to our friend Tolkien, who describes how the hobbit Bilbo Baggins is making arrangements to leave his beloved home in the Shire. Now, this trip has been a long time coming, as he confides to his friend, the wizard named Gandalf, and he says, "'Why, I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something.' I feel like those couple of lines really sum up what so many people have experienced the last couple of years as we've been grappling with a pandemic and so much uncertainty and turbulence and more questions than answers on some days. And how many of us have been left feeling stretched thin like butter that's been scraped over too much bread and, and quite ready for a change or something? We should be careful, though, when we become aware of this helplessness and when we express even the slightest readiness for a change, because then we leave an opening for the Holy Spirit to leap in. In fact, the Holy Spirit seems to be especially active and creative precisely when the defenses come down and we begin to loosen our grip on things. I'll just uh, share a brief anecdote here, kind of a strange memory about a time that I let my guard down as I was filling up the dishwasher one day. I'd had a lot on my mind and I was wondering about some big decisions looming on the horizon, but I, I just let go for a few moments as I was doing that chore. And all of a sudden, I experienced this almost ridiculous rush of meaning a meaning that's not normally associated with something as ordinary as filling up the dishwasher. Um, and I was suddenly flooded with this unassailable certainty that this tiny moment mattered. There was, there was joy to be found between the dirty plates and the silverware. And I, I can't recall how long this peculiar sensation lasted. And honestly, if, if time fell apart, it was only because it was being tampered with by, by something heavenly. And why this moment cleaning up after dinner? I didn't dare to ask. If the Holy Spirit wants to lead an invasion of grace in the kitchen, then so be it. That's as good a moment as any to begin to understand how how camels will fly through the eyes of the needles, how men will rise from the dead, and our hearts will rest in God as if He were some cozy cradle in this immense universe— And with this openness to the Holy Spirit, inevitably comes something else, uh, the call to humility. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be emptied of any self-interest or or hidden agenda or assumptions. And to help us look at this dimension of life in the Spirit, I turned to Father Cantalamessa, who is the preacher to the papal household and who has far better things to say about all this than I do. And I came across this passage in his book, The Sober Intoxication of the Spirit, And to give some context, um, he's reflecting here on the nature of the charismatic renewal, but there are lessons here for all of us, even if we are not involved in a charismatic Catholic community. So I, I just wanted to provide that context. So he writes, I have asked myself sometimes what in some of the prayer groups and budding communities that are rising up here and there in the charismatic renewal pleases Jesus so much that He would manifest so much power and so many wonders in them. It seemed to me that the secret of what makes them so precious to God is their absolute poverty, the fact that they have no past and hardly any future. They are almost a nothing like certain life forms that appear in the morning and disappear in the evening, reabsorbed into the great bosom of life, or like a little cloud that calmly disappears from the sky after having poured out all its water. God is looking for something that will be useful to Him for an instant, something unencumbered that wants nothing and asks for nothing in return for pleasing God and for making His power and His wishes shine forth in the world? Do we want to be that small thing that is precious to God? Do we want to be that instrument of nothing in His omnipotent hand? Then let us not worry about setting up house— Let us not worry about assuring that the Charismatic Renewal has a future among today's ecclesial realities. Let us not worry about numbers. Let it be enough for us that the future of the Church is already assured. Let the Church be enough for us as institution. For our part, let us try, if we can, to remain prophetic for the Church, even if it is only in small measure." Let us continue to draw directly from the Church, especially from the local Church, all that is necessary to live a life of the Spirit—sacraments, authority, ministries, and doctrine. Let us continue to pour out all that we are, even though we are small, directly into the bosom of life that is the Church, quietly or also openly, if it is possible and if it is requested." Let us try to be that little cloud, ready to disappear after it has poured out all its water on the church. Again, that is from Father Cantalames' book, The Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. And it might seem like a really odd thing to say that we should strive for smallness, for absolute poverty. Let us try to be a little cloud, ready to disappear. But why should we be surprised by this? Let's think of St. John the Baptist who said, I must decrease and He must increase, as he was referring to his prophetic role in preparing the people for the arrival of the Messiah. I think of St. Mother Teresa, who referred to herself as a little pencil in the hand of God, who was writing a love letter to the world. I think of St. Francis of Assisi, who embraced poverty like a lover and who was willing to rebuild the Lord's Church one brick at a time. But it all goes back to the smallness of the child Jesus and the poverty of the cross. Right at the point where the world says to expect very little or nothing at all, right there is the moment when God is revealing His masterpiece. You know, in reading the signs of the times, Pope Francis has said on several occasions that we are not simply living through an era of change, but rather the change of an era. We are without a doubt standing at a crossroads, and it's precisely in these moments when the exciting opportunity to be radically open to the Holy Spirit presents itself. And yes, the obstacles can seem overwhelming at times, but empowered by the promises of Christ, the disciple cannot help but echo those words from the well-known song, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You know, let's not just remember those words at Christmas. That refrain should be running through our lives all year long. To be a Christian is to carry that thrill of hope in our hearts, to be signs of love in a weary world. But again, that's not something we we can really decide to do entirely on our own. Remember who blazes the trail, the Holy Spirit. As we come to the close of our time together this week, uh, let's return to Scripture and to this pivotal moment in the life of the church. Again, from the Acts of the Apostles, where it's written, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. So the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. You know, the apostles would go on to do extraordinary work and and nearly each one laid down their life as a witness to their unshakable faith in Christ. But none of that would have been possible without the Holy Spirit first doing something radically new in their own lives. In the sequence that we hear each year at Pentecost, these lines are included. Heal our wounds, our strength renew. On our dryness, pour thy dew. Wash the stains of guilt away. Bend the stubborn heart and will. Melt the frozen, warm the chill. Guide the steps that go astray. That is just a tiny snapshot of the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is holding us back from from praying for a personal Pentecost to take place in our own lives? Asking the Holy Spirit to descend into our own hearts and to enable us to proclaim with that same zeal and fervor as those disciples in the upper room 2,000 years ago. After all, it's the same Spirit. The third person of the Trinity doesn't fade or weaken over time, not at all. And on this note of Pentecost, Pope St. Paul VI said, The church needs a perennial Pentecost. She needs fire in her heart, the word on her lips, a look that is prophetic. Isn't that an amazing invitation? And I return to Father Cantalamessa briefly, who shares this story. A priest was going home on the train after a charismatic retreat. Charismatic songs were still echoing within him. At a certain point, a distinguished lady who was facing him folded the newspaper she was reading, looked at him and said, "'Do you know what, Father? "'You have a face that makes a person believe in God. "'How I wish that people could say or think the same thing "'when they meet any Catholic.'" I just loved that little story that Father Cantalamesa tells us, and it's good to have that challenge on our minds this week. Um, Will we strive, as Paul VI says, to have that prophetic look, perhaps that face that helps a person believe in God? From there, who knows where the Holy Spirit might lead that person next? All I do know is that He wants to lead us all home. Now, since the end of this beautiful liturgical season is upon us, I want to end with a poem I wrote many years ago to honor these last moments of the Easter season, and it goes like this. A tiny ray of orange falls upon a quiet street, turns the corner round the bend and up the road it creeps. A fire, oh dear, what shall we do? A sign that all's to end? Nay, it's just the dawn that comes, to wake and then descend. A rush a sound as passing breaths, outside the creaking door. Uncertain glances sweep the room as though in search of more. A storm, alas, how weak these walls, which once our dreams held fast. Peace, it's just the wind, my friend, it whispers hope at last. A crowded room grows tense and still. A man amongst them stands. Disbelief meets brave relief as he extends his hand. A ghost, I say, but can it be? And where's my reason gone? Peace, it's just the Lord, my friend. Fulfilling sense and psalm. A voice so deep, so high, so wide, echoes far and long. The crash of light upon the clouds breaks chords that bound our song. Thunder, noise, a roar that well could shake a round world flat. Peace, it's just the laugh of God, and it's you he's smiling at. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to hear stories of how the Holy Spirit is blazing a trail of faith in our world today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all.
0: You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, Visit us online at motterdayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app.